Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues in leading small group leaders. Group Talk is hosted by Carolyn Takeda and is a product of the Small Group Network, a network of small group point people that exists to build relationships, share ideas, and help one another become more intentional at accomplishing the tasks God's laid before us. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Welcome to Group Talk. My name is Carolyn Takeda, and with me on the program today is Mark Howell. Um, thank you, Mark, for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. Good to be here. Uh, and Mark is probably a well-known name to anyone in small group world, um, but he is a past, the pastor of communities at Canyon Ridge Christian Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, he's also the founder of smallgroupresources.net, and um, he blogs regularly at markhowellive.com, um, which I'm a very faithful reader because you offer so many um, practical tips and articles and um, ideas that are really great for, for ministry, all different size ministry, and he also consults um, with other churches to help sustain and grow um, healthy small group ministries. So he's got tons of experience. I'm so honored that you're on the program with us. Um, what caught our attention and why I asked uh, Mark for this particular broadcast this summer was because I saw a article you wrote um, called Five Things to Do in June to Maximize Your Small Group Ministry This Fall. And, Mark, the reason it caught my attention is because um, June, we finally get a chance to breathe a little bit, our small group pastors and point leaders, because we've gone through the, the busy season, and now we get a little bit of a breather. And here you are telling us there's stuff we need to be doing right now. <laughs> That's right. It's not a vacation until you get these things done. You can still get a vacation in, but you need, you need to, uh, if you want to maximize what happens in the fall, there's a preparation phase, and it's right. It's really right now. So it's over the course of the next 60 days or so. And uh, if you're efficient, you know what you're doing. Uh, if you have uh, a team, you can get these things done pretty efficiently. But you know, you can get them done quickly. But but if if you put them off or don't get around to doing them, they have a definite impact on yes. On, on what goes on in, in your place this fall. No and doubt. that's that's very true. And I think, um, you know, after we take a brief uh, breath in, in June, perhaps, um, it's time to kind of get get down to, to work and think um, far out ahead and look at the fall and see the best way to prepare for it. And um, I know people can just read these five things, but I really wanted to have your voice and your expertise kind of flesh them out and have a conversation about, um, you know, what we do need to get right um, in the summer to be well prepared for the fall. Otherwise, you're going to be in a world of pain probably um, yes. when the new groups launch as most of our churches and new groups and all the trainings and all that stuff um, kicks in and September, and it seems like in a blink of an eye, we're there. So um, let's talk about these. Let's just dive in. Um, what are your top five things? And then we can just unpack those a little bit. That sounds good. Well, okay. number one, I think, is uh, this idea of meeting now with your senior pastor to clarify their involvement and fine-tune uh, what they're thinking, what, what, they, what they think their involvement will be or needs to be. And, um, you know, I mean, that, that uh, piece is so important. And a lot of times what ends up happening is we kind of wait, and we wait until, you know, maybe later in the summer. Sometimes we wait until right when we need them. And then we find out that they actually have other plans or they have another idea 
that uh, might have been a good idea, but because of the late date that it gets executed sure. or you know or dropped in, it, it just is problematic. So I think maybe for this, um, are you talking specifically if you're running a campaign or is just in general doing announcements? I know a lot of churches, a senior pastor isn't fully on board with the yeah. small groups ministry, and so that's a little bit more of a delicate dance. Um, it, it is, yeah, it is. But what I would say is, yes, uh, what I'm talking about does apply to a campaign, but I really believe no matter what um, strategy you're using, no matter what model, you use, whether it's semester or free market or sermon-based or, you know, the Saddleback-style church-wide campaign effort, no matter what you're using, I really believe that it is the case that your senior pastor is the prime candidate to be the champion and, um, you know, to really call that out. Now, there are exceptions. You know, there are places where the senior pastor is more or less just allowing it to happen. Sure. Doesn't really care. Sure. But I don't think, hopefully you're not, hopefully that's not the case for you if you're listening. If it is, come on my blog and, and let, me, let me help you. <laughs> there are some things that you can do to support your pastor and, um, to you know, to kind of help set it up. You know, what, what I mean, though, too, Carolyn, just to flesh it out a little bit is, you know, for example, if, if I'm going to really leverage my senior pastor's influence, which is why I want them to be the champion. Sure. I mean, almost every congregation we're talking about, or two, is going to be the one where the senior pastor is the most influential person there. Right, and right. So I want to get them in the game. Now, the way I do that for a church-wide campaign effort, or if I'm launching a small group connection or a group fair or anything like that, what I want to do is actually see if I can get the pastor to embed the ask or the invitation into their into their sermon yes. um, more than once in uh, in the lead up weeks to the to the campaign or the small group launching strategy because right. what I know for sure too is uh, people check out. And they're thinking about lunch. They're thinking about <laughs> other things during the during the announcements. Sure. I, 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 yeah, I completely agree. I think um, when we've done it, we, and we don't do a, a campaign per se, but usually about this time. In fact, next week I have a meeting set up with our senior pastor to talk about his fall series. And um, I, I line up with what he's doing, um, and he yes. gives me a heads up on what he's doing, and then um, I try to find the best – time and I let that dictate uh, when we do the actual fall connection and all of those things um, and so it's to as much as possible I accommodate and leverage um, his schedule and what he wants to preach on instead of being a, a barrier to that or demanding um, that he insert our thing and so just little thing like that just to, to now he's you know he's accustomed that we have this meeting and we kind of um, I just align to, to what he's doing and so for churches that aren't doing campaigns church-wide or where the um, small group ministries are, are younger or newer, um, where the senior pastor isn't fully bought in yet, um, you know, you can start small. Ask for, you know, a, sh a short meeting just to stay ahead, like to know right. what you're preaching on, how that's, and then is there a way we can partner a little bit, um, you know, with this message fit well in? And I think there's ways to start leading up um, on that issue, but clearly um, leveraging the, the leadership is, is a critical piece of being <laughs> prepared for fall. Um, the second one is um, is to make sure their existing leaders are aware of fall plans. 
Um, this one's interesting. Is is this because people um, are going to be resistant to what they haven't been informed of but prior? Yeah, I think um, most of our most of the folks on the on this uh, listening today are probably in America, although not all. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've found to be true in most of the places that I've come in as a consultant or, you know, or on staff, uh, here in this country at least, people want to make their own decisions about what yes. to do. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's just the case. So whether you're doing a campaign in the fall or whether you, uh, you know, kind of have a free market system that involves a catalog or some kind of way that people sign up for a small group, any way you slice it, I want to really be in communication with the existing leaders way in advance so that they know what's coming. Now, you know, I'll, I'll put one extra thing in here, and this is actually not in my blog post, but this is another reason that I want to make them fully aware of the fall plans really early, is that in my experience, one of the most effective ways to multiply groups is to use what I what I uh, have referred to and what Saddleback would call the small group vacation strategy. And the small group vacation essentially is going to existing groups and saying, hey, you guys, as we get ready to launch the campaign or as we get ready to start the fall, would your group, consider taking a six-week break from meeting as a group and instead of meeting together would you guys would you guys be open to the idea of maybe forming three separate groups and then help us jump start some new ones then when it's when it's over you know when the campaign's over or when that when that group's really going you guys can go back and and restart your other group but could we get you involved in what we're about to do now that that takes a little bit of work and there's some great material on my on my site about that. I have used this for over 10 years. It's one of the best ways. Really? Okay, what about I can already hear the clamoring. If I were to do this, I can already hear the clamoring from the small group leaders saying how disruptive this would be to the relationships that they've built with their groups. And then what about the groups? So that's one. And then second issue would be, okay, so these people go and start these new groups. Um, and then they abandon them in six or eight weeks when the campaign's over. Doesn't that cause um, people to feel abandoned or feel like they've been left behind? Yeah, yeah. Good questions, good observations. What? I, let me tackle the second one first. What I would say is, if you um, have committed folks, maybe a couple couples or something like that, that's going to come in and help jumpstart a brand new group. Um, it really doesn't matter too much what strategy you use to collect the people that will be part of their new group. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they could be personal invitation. They could be people that signed up, right, you know, right. to join a group, that any number of ways. No matter what you do, though, uh, my experience is if I've got six weeks, I can begin pretty effectively in the course of that six weeks to figure out who of the newest people really could be leading a group. And, you know, so it's not a difficult handoff. Now, uh, back to your other question, you know, or back to the first observation that you made, what I would say is this. Uh, yeah, 
it might be disruptive in the sense that we're not meeting as a group of 12 or we're not meeting as a group mm-hmm. of 14 for these six weeks. But um, what my experience is is this, the trade-off, um, the experience of moving from a member of a group to the person that some uh, folks are relying on to really serve as a shepherd for this initial kind of startup phase. That is transformational for the people that do it. That's probably and, true, yeah. Um, you know, so to move from to move from a group where my main uh, contribution is to show up and bring the seven layer dip <laughs> to, to one, you know, to one where, where for six weeks or so, um, I'm I'm getting an opportunity to help start something that will be life changing for the people that join that group. That is um, is an unanticipated a lot of times upside, and people just tell me over and over again, I'm so glad that I did that because it helped me see how important I could be in the life of someone else. Now, let me just say this because it's just us point leaders on this call. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's sure. small group pastors, it's directors, mm-hmm. it's champions, volunteer and staff. Yes. What I want to suggest is this. You all know, we all have people that are in groups, and they are longtime participants in groups, and if we are familiar with who's in our small groups, we can pick out people right away that really ought to be leading a group. Um, they're in one. They love the group they're in. But yeah, really, that was actually, we all know. That was actually my all question. Know. Would you handpick or would you just make an all-call ask to all I've the existing groups? I, I've done both. In fact, one of the most effective ways that I ever have done this was uh, conspiratorially with my pastor at Fellowship of the Woodlands, and we put a video together that really was based uh, – he told the story that Jesus tells in Luke 14 – uh, about the banquet mm-hmm. and standing in front of a real banquet table that was fully laden with a turkey dinner and all of the lighting and everything, you know, just everything that made for a beautiful backdrop. Carrie told the story of that Jesus tells, and when he got to the end, he said, listen, at Fellowship of the Woodlands, um, we need more people at the table, but honestly, we need more tables. And what I want to challenge all of you to do is consider that during our campaign that begins in February, you guys would consider not meeting as a group, but instead of meeting together as a group of 12, would you consider meeting as three groups of four just for the campaign and help us launch some new groups? And then you can go back. We'll help you to find and identify a new leader, and we'll help you get back to your group if you'd like to do that. Now, I'll tell you, Carolyn, we started over 150 new groups using that strategy. Not every group did it, but we had many that did. And um, what we heard over and over again from the ones that said yes is that they never had felt as fulfilled um, before that because they saw the difference between being counted on to bring the seven-layer dip and the way those people thought about them and the important role they played in the, in the, the early connection life of the people that were in their group. Now, what I was going to say to the 
point leader on this call is this. this it is really the case that a pretty high percentage of the time, those groups that people come out of to do this don't reform in the same way. That is true. But what the reality is is that um, over and over again they report things like they did the very first time I did this in 2001 or so that uh, I handpicked in that instance 10 couples. It took me 20 invitations to get 10 of people that I knew. I'm glad you said that because that's about my batting average, (laughs) you know, asking people and then only a handful say yes. Yeah, it took 20 invitations or so, but I got 10 to say yes. I ran a connection event only at their tables. They, I already had prefab leaders. I had those 10 couples at 10 different tables. And we sorted people out by affinity. They ended up around the tables with these 10 leaders who had all been told, I just need your help for six weeks. And they said yes on the strength of that, because all of them were in really good groups that they didn't want to leave. Right, and, right. Uh, at the end of the connection event, on the way out of the room, seven of the ten said, Mark, we know that you said this was a six-week commitment, but we can already tell that we can't leave this group. Right, right. Because they need us. And they said, we'll stay in our other group for a time being. That's yeah. usually how it goes, actually. I, when I've done it, I've had the same response, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, in, in the course of the next six weeks, two of the other three said the same thing. So I ended up with nine strong new groups led by seasoned leaders who were the right people. And um, and it was exciting. That's that's So, you know, on point number two, tell your existing groups, early, your group leaders early, make sure they're aware of the fall plans. That's just a side note, but wow, what a huge upside to that side note. I I really like, I I think that's very valuable um, because getting new leaders, which I know is is part of point three, um, is probably the biggest challenge um, for a lot of us over the summer, and it's you know, that's one way to do it and getting the existing people who already understand um, the value of community, that really helps kind of jumpstart the fall plans. Now, your third one is very closely um, connected because it's about identifying, recruiting, and training coaches. You want to talk a little bit about that? I think, you know, one of the things that we have discovered over the years, going back really to my days at Life Together, um, we had the opportunity to talk with, and uh, spend time with about 1,500 churches that had done the 40 Days of Purpose using a campaign strategy. And what we discovered was there were two secret ingredients that made the difference in a big, big way as far as what groups, what new groups were sustained into the next study. You know, if I launch 100 how many of them actually continue sure. when the six weeks is over? If I launch sure. 20, how many continue? The, really, um, one of the top two things that we discovered was if you can give the newest groups a person to walk alongside them for the first six weeks, you actually move the um, sustainability rate up pretty dramatically. Uh, and so what I've learned to do is use the summer 
to basically identify, recruit, and then begin training what I call kind of like a, a camp. I actually refer to them uh, on my team as a campaign coach. Now, to them, we don't say that. You know, to them, we essentially say, hey, would you consider, you know, you, you really know what you're doing. I've been watching you as a small group leader. I love the way you lead your group. You really have a feel for it. Could I ask you? to take maybe another leader or two or maybe three under your wing for the six weeks of these new groups that we're going to start. And really what I want to ask you for is about a 10-week commitment. It's probably a couple weeks on the front end, maybe some interaction with these new leaders, the six weeks of that first study that they do, and a couple weeks on the back end. Could 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 I invite you into that? It probably will take an hour a week. It might take 90 minutes. It could potentially take two hours. But I want to I just invite you to make a regular contact every week by phone or in person of those two or three newbies. And would you do that? Now, my experience is when I work at, you know, in order for it to really work, again, I can't make this ask and be very effective if I start thinking about it in August. Right, in August, right. really, is when I need – in August, I need to already have these people on board. Sure. Yeah, you need to start they deploying play. it, deploying them in, in August. Um, yeah. with, the, with the coaches, just a quick side question, do you identify and try to matchmake who they would be overseeing? Do they choose the people they might be overseeing, or is it random, or is it by affinity, or how do you do that? How do you match them yeah, up? Yeah, I think it, it varies and it's probably a little too complicated in the time that we have sure, to go into sure. it. But I would say it's really kind of all of the above. Okay. Example, and I'm sure there's I'm sure there's articles on that on your blog as well. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There is. And and you know, I mean it's it's very it's 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 as simple as this and as complicated as this. If I use the smart root vacation strategy, who is the best coach? for the people that come out of an existing group. Obviously, yes, they well, would be. It's right. the existing leader. You sure. know? And so now the, the nugget or the piece, Carolyn, that I want to put in on this and make sure people understand is anymore I almost never recruit someone to be a coach right out of the gate. In other words, right, what right. I'm inviting them to do is help me. Would you help me uh, help me by just taking a new leader or two under your wing for this six-week test drive. Because when I get to the end of that six weeks, I want to be able to, to kind of know whether they did what I asked them to do or not before I invite them to continue in that role. That makes that's sense. A, that's, that's a that's very a significant yeah. difference, you know, is to just say, well, I want to I just invite you. Would you help me? And I'm not even telling them it's like an apprentice role, it's a test drive of being a coach, nothing nothing to that. It's all about would you help me for this 10-week season, a couple weeks on the front, six right, weeks of the right. campaign or the series, and then a couple weeks on the back while we try to land it. Well, it makes it, it makes it much more of a concrete ask, and you're more likely to get yeses because there's a distinct beginning and end. Yeah, yeah you're going to get an unbiased yes. Is what they're going to be saying. You know, there's not going to, there's no glory in this. This is really about helping, <laughs> and it's not about a title. It's not about you're going to be part of the elite squadron. It's all about would you help? 
Uh, there's there's very little glory in small small groups ministry in general. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what though? Here's what I would say. I love getting to the end of that ten weeks with a with a kind of like what I call you know in the closet I call a test you know kind of a test drive coach or a campaign coach or something. I love getting to the end though and talking with the ones that actually did what we asked them to do. So they've they've really invested. They've made it made it made it a daily or a weekly point to get in touch with the people we're having them stay with, having them um, walk alongside. I love it when I say to them, How does it feel mm-hmm. to know that you helped three new groups continue and um you know, really those 30 people that are part of their groups sure. because you're, you were involved. When they say back to me, that was so satisfying. That is so I exciting. Bet, right. Now, there's glory in that. Oh, absolutely. For them, for them, that's a really great discovery. For me, it's so fun to help people that you can tell are the right people right. to step into that role. It's really good. Well, now, I, you know, I've got to watch the time, and I don't, I'm sure I know. Okay, we have two more. I know. We have two more. Okay, this next one, though, is, is seems fairly obvious to identify and recruit testimonies um, that you need. And so this is for the purpose of promotions, yes? Yes, and both ways. You know, what I've, I've used the, the idea of a testimony, and whether I film it and kind of edit it into a video or it's live, either way. What I've discovered is you have people in your congregation already that have done this before. You know, they've, they served as a first-time small group leader last year, or they served, they, they joined a small group for the first time in the last year or two, and their memory, their, their memory of the experience is so vivid and powerful that that's the person you want to help. Um, confirm or seal the deal when people are considering hosting themselves, you know, or when people, so for example, in August, when I'm working my senior pastor to get him involved in the idea of talking about hosting a group in his messages in August, Mm -hmm. I really want to give him the strength or the added firepower for him to say, you know, I know some of you are thinking about doing this. I want you to watch this video and uh, and just hear the story of Bob and Lisa. And, you know, so then I can roll the video or I can invite them up onto the stage, and I'm basically asking just uh, a very compact set of things, which is in the link that I've got on the article on this blog, Take Advantage of Testimony mm-hmm. right. to Recruit Hubs. It really gives a lot of detail. And I, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Though the power of the story is is just huge. That's huge. It's massive. And then uh, connected to that is number five was planning the communication and promotional pieces. This isn't necessarily the the fun part of small business ministry. It's very administrative, but yeah. um, it's so necessary to kind of line up the calendar now, um, right. and well, then back yeah. it in. I think part of our Part of the, the interesting thing, the fascinating thing about a call like this or a recording like this is that people who listen to this are everything from the person that has dedicated director of communications, mm-hmm. and they're, you know that person is full-time on the staff, all the way over to where the small group pastor is the one figuring out how to lay this out on a sure. 
you know, on a page and print it two up and do all those kind of things. I know that's in the kit, in the mix. Yes. But what I'm what I'm saying on this is this: um, you you can get some other people involved, some people that have those kind of technical capabilities, but you've got to work now in order to figure out what to do. And uh, by the way, even if you have a staff person that plays this this role, they really want to know these details way early, you know. And it's even things like, you know, planning how the um, bulletin insert is going to be collected and thinking through all of that stuff. Now is the time to do that. That's true um, because you're right about people wanting it in advance and if um, you're part of a church where you know you're kind of putting things together more in advance if you don't get in the queue sometimes for it it'll get bumped by other things and other people who plan better and it's um it's really nice to kind of have that laid out and then you have the expectations clear on uh, what's you know what we want for promotional wise um and what we've we've tried to do to make it super easy for anyone um that's on our website that's on all the different communication the bulletin the different pieces is um we write out and even for the announcements we'll script them uh, as an i to give them an idea and they really people that are having to do those things really appreciate um yeah. that all the materials yeah. we'll give them the graphic we'll give them everything they could possibly need um, and then they pick and choose what they want to use. That's up to them. But um, and then we give them the dates in which we need it. So it's to make it as easy as possible, so that there's least amount of um, barriers to getting um, the small group promotions on the places it needs to go. And that that does require a lot of planning, like now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you like you said at the very beginning, Carolyn. If you do these things now, if you get these going and get these out of the way. Well, first of all, I'll be back with a list of things that you can do in, <laughs> in August. But but you can take a break. You know, I mean, all of us get away during the summer. But here, here's the thing: this, you know, these these ingredients are very um, that in in by themselves, they're every one of them very simple to to get done. Um, they pay huge dividends when we do them in advance. They really do. Right. It pays off. And, well, and part and of the bottom line, the bottom line for me on this uh-huh. is that I know this. Unconnected people are one tough thing away from never right. being at your church again. It is absolutely critical and essential to do the work now so that what you do in September is maximized. And you right. can connect as large a group as possible. And, it don't, and that's absolutely true. I think that the summers when um, I've had more of these elements, and I would agree with you, these are essential pieces lined up, it's made um, September way less stressful. And we were yeah. able to connect and, more and, more people and connect them better and have groups that are more sustainable. As a result, yeah. um, when we've had to scramble, uh, particularly for new leaders in the fall, um, it's been more of a struggle. And then fewer people get connected well as as quickly and timely and all of that. And it just becomes actually more work. Um, so yeah. it's it's good to yeah. put it in the front end. And also, too, because it's summer and people are on vacation, when you're trying to line up leaders and coaches, um, it's it's going to take a couple months to even get together with them. So it makes it difficult to find that time. So if you start that in August, it's it becomes um, much more difficult to get it ready mm-hmm. in time for September. So I, I would, and I know you would agree with this, Mark. And we haven't said it because it's almost implicit. Um, prayer obviously is a huge part of um, preparing ourselves 
and our ministries yeah. are full. And it's for the people that aren't connected that you said that are just one step away. Um, we get new people all the time and just feel like all of that. Sometimes our best plans happen, and somehow God is able to, to make those so much better than um, mm-hmm. than we anticipated. And I just think, okay, this is kind of – we put in our effort, but then God just multiplies it. And so yeah. – I would encourage yeah. that uh, as well. Yes, that's a, you are exactly right. And, I, you know, the way I view this is that very much like the parable of talents, I've been given something. We've all been given something to invest. And, uh, you know, this, it's time. It's talent. You know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, what we've got from a budget standpoint. We've all been given that to invest. And I want with my own work and with my own ministry, I want to do everything I can to succeed at the mission that I believe God's called me to, too. Right. And I think the folks that are listening to this, they feel the same way. Yes. You know, this is, um, this, this, this is a uh, shared mission. We're all in the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for your time. Um, Mark's going to be available on our Facebook group page for Small Group Network, um, and you can ask him questions directly. You can engage with other people in the ministry, kind of wrestling through summer plans as well. Um, and, of course, he is he does blog and tweet uh, regularly at markhowellive.com, and we'll have those links available as well. Um, thank you, Mark, so much, and you are such a blessing to the Small Group uh, world. You probably have no idea how many people you influence. I read you um, years ago before I even knew you, and it's been such a pleasure getting to, to know you. And um, just you're always I – mean, whenever I think, okay, what what about this topic? And then I know there's usually an article on it, and usually says number five or four things or five things or ten things or something. We, yeah. can, we can count on um, just to kind of be really practical, and I so appreciate the resources that you put out there available for um, people in this ministry. So thank you. Well, yeah, Carolyn, it's it's my pleasure to uh, do that, and and I love knowing that it's helpful. So thanks for thank you for saying that, and uh, I've I've loved being on here today. Hopefully, you'll have me back sometime. Absolutely. Um, Of course, our pleasure. So thank you for joining us on this edition of Group Talk. Um, Look forward to hearing from you next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly conversation designed to wrestle through vital issues and leading small group leaders. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com.